0: This morning, um, probably over the last few years, a couple of years, God's really been talking to me about loving people and being um, displaying love to those around us. So this morning, really, this is what I'm going to be talking about. Um, So we're going to read firstly from Ephesians chapter 2, and just the first 10 verses. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Talking about Satan, of course. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, which is God's wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive.
1: With Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's saying we were dead,
0: we were dead in sin, we were dead in all the filthiness that we tend to get involved in. But He made it possible for us to become alive in Christ. And it says, It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. It is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Really, I'm just going to be talking about that last verse says, For we are God's workmanship, created
1: in Christ Jesus to do good works. We probably all know that and we know that that's what God
0: and we know that that's what people expect of us, don't we? That we're supposed to be goodies, we're supposed to do good things, we're supposed to behave ourselves, we're supposed to be the light of the world, we're supposed to show people, point people towards God. But not only that to to love people in doing that to love people so probably the question to ask is what is our motivation in doing all that we can for god what is our motivation is it duty is it purely obedience is it from trying to earn his love or his acceptance I know many see it as that. Is it maybe the praise of others? If we're seen to be doing the right thing, we're seen to be here at church, doing Sunday school, doing whatever it is. Maybe it's the good old keeping up appearances, which is the praise of others, isn't it? Maggie and I tend to love that show. Well, we used to. It's getting a bit wearing now keeping up appearances. Maybe it's worship. Maybe you do it from a heart of worship.
1: Or is it from a heart of love? In First Corinthians 13,
0: 1-3, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and knowledge and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love,
1: I am nothing. And goes on to say, if I give all I have to the poor. That's a pretty good
0: thing to do, isn't it? How many of us are prepared to do that? If I give all I have to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing.
1: Wow, that's pretty sobering, isn't it? Pretty sobering thought. We can know everything.
0: We can have a head full of knowledge. We can have faith. We can do so much for People around us, but if it's not done in love, God says it's meaningless. So, good works
1: without love is pointless, it's meaningless to God. In
0: John 13 34 and 35, Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's preparing them for when he'd no longer be with them. And he says, a new commandment I give to you, and that is that you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And he goes on to say, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Now there's other scriptures point to the fact that like God himself, we are not only Just
1: to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, but everybody. All men. How do we do that? How do I love everybody? How do I love my enemies? It's impossible, isn't it? I think it's impossible. I think some of us to
0: struggle some of us struggle maybe to love somebody who might be in this room even.
1: <laughs> we might have differences of opinion And it seems that it's impossible to love everybody but God has news for us.
0: in Galatians 5 22 26
1: it talks about the fruit of the spirit and it says the fruit of the spirit
0: is love joy, peace, patience kindness, gentleness and self control and goes on and says against such things there is no law, I love that bit there's no law no law about Loving someone or being showing joy to someone or peace, or patience, kindness. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The, the top of the list. It's no coincidence that love is at the top of the list. Let's, just, let's have a look at Galatians. It says in, um, let me just read this, Galatians 5. 16 and down. It says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other.
1: You know, in amongst that list, we could also put things like the acts of the sinful nature,
0: what's Satan, how Satan gets to us. We can become apathetic. We can become lazy, selfish, greedy. And I mentioned envy there before, envious of others. We can become intolerant of others.
1: It says in verse 16, it says, live by the Spirit. And verse 25
0: says, again, live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I think this is where the rubber hits the road for us. If you and I want to learn to love as God asks us to, this is the answer. True love is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It comes from God himself. And we talked before, we said it's got to be impossible to love those around us, particularly some.
1: Um, God says it's not. Does God... How does God
0: feel about everybody? We know, don't we, that he loves everybody. The Bible teaches us clearly that he loves everybody. Mightn't like what they're doing, but he loves everybody. And that's what he's asking us to do. And The only way to do that is to understand this. True love is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It comes from God himself. So we have to be willing to enter into a process where God can transform us into the image or begin to transform us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We've all heard that before. It's not possible to love God, ourselves or others, with the passion, degree and intensity that God desires from us without the very love of God himself flowing into us. It's just not possible. Once God's love begins to mesh and flow into what limited love we already have in our personality, then we'll be able to begin to love God, love people in the way God intended for us all to do.
1: Love is the greatest of all virtues. Paul says that you can
0: have the greatest gift of tongues, the greatest gift of prophecy, the greatest understanding of all the mysteries and knowledge of God. You can have the highest levels of faith in God and do some of the greatest works for God. But if you do not have the love of God operating in your life, then all this gifting, power, knowledge and works in the Lord will be all for nothing. I repeat, it's all for nothing. So what this is saying, all of our accomplishments in the Lord, all of the good fruit we may have produced for the Lord in this lifetime will mean absolutely nothing to him if we did not walk all this out in the spirit of his love. This is why each and every Christian should make it their number one goal and priority to learn how to walk in the love of God in their day-to-day lives, minute by minute,
1: second by second. You know, nothing will touch
0: other people more deeply than having the love of God shining through you and your life. Nothing will touch other people more deeply than having the love of God shining through you and your life. There's a couple of verses. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Quite often we are fearful about things, aren't we? Maybe we need to get close to God and experience his love in a more perfect way in 1 Corinthians 13:4-8 says love suffers long and is kind love does not envy love does not parade itself love is not puffed up is does not behave rudely does not seek its own is not provoked thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in truth It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. You know, um, a lot of us have heard that before, probably at weddings. I don't think God wrote that for weddings specifically. When you look at, that chapter it's written in relation to you and me it's written in relation to us as the body of Christ being part of the body of Christ how we should relate and interact with everybody around us love suffers long and is kind it does not envy does not parade itself it's not puffed up does not behave rudely does not seek its own is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, hopes all things and endures all things.
1: Love never fails. I've always, years ago, used to think of that as being
0: sort of pie in the sky, impossible for us. But it's not, you know. True love will always be kind. True love will never flaunt itself for attention. True love will never be jealous of others and their accomplishments. True love will always be thinking of others and their welfare. True love will never rejoice or wallow in evil and sin. You know, God's love, true love, is very different to what current day thinking makes of love. And we've sort of been there lately, haven't we? Much of current thinking is, if you don't agree with me, you can't possibly love me. Much of current thinking is of love is conditional. Conditional on what comes back.
1: Or much of current thinking of love is just purely lust. God's love is pure. God's love is wholesome and right. He cannot
0: ignore or approve of sin. God is righteous. God is holy and just. And he is not changed, nor has his guidebook for his
1: creation been altered by him. So who should we love? There's God, should be number one. And a lot of us need to learn to love ourselves. And there's
0: family, then there's others, and then there's our enemies. But today we're just going to look briefly at loving God. That's the starting point. We can't love any of those others. We can't love ourselves. We can't love our family or others or our enemies, until we understand God's love for us and until our love, um, until we are really in love with him. So first and foremost, foremost, our love should be directed and centred on God himself. God wants to establish a one-on-one, personal, intimate relationship with each one of us. And you might say, oh, well, I've got that, done that. When I go my heart to God, I've got a personal relationship with God. It's much deeper than that. Much, much deeper than knowing that he has saved us and that we have a relationship with him. He wants us to truly learn how to love him from our heart and from our soul.
1: In Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, Jesus was asked
0: this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment.
1: You now, Jesus is placing extreme importance on this one commandment. He was asked, which is the greatest commandment? This one.
0: Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all
1: your mind. Is that where you're at? How much do you love the Lord your God? How close are you to God?
0: In Jeremiah 21.13 it says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, And you will find, find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. You know, these verses are talking about pressing in and seeking him with all our heart, all our mind, our emotions, with intensity,
1: not just with our head, guys, with our heart, our emotions.
0: There's nothing sort of ho-hum about what those verses are saying, is there? Nothing vague about them. It says, you find, seek him with all your heart with all your soul. You know, many Christians say they love God, but they really do not prove it to him by pressing in and seeking after him in their daily walk with him. I'm sure we've all been there. Some of us may be there. Some of us may not be. We may have moved on from that. It's always a struggle, isn't it? And there's um, some scripture in Revelations. talks about how we can go cold with our love for God. If you're really in love with God, then you will have a strong natural desire to want to seek after him and include him in every part of your life. Every part of your life. You know, God's love for us is way beyond our understanding, isn't it? It's just so far out there we
1: cannot grasp it. He loves us with maximum intensity.
0: I like that, maximum intensity. He would like us to return that love back to him with some level of intensity from our mind and our heart. He expects that, that our love would have some level of intensity, not just an acceptance or a knowledge that he loves us. The Holy Spirit can and will help us as he transmits God's divine love into our personality so that we can start to love God in the way and with the intensity that he would really like. This is God's desire for us. I've got a question for you. Do you believe God when he offers you forgiveness and that he can save you? Yeah? Anybody game to say yeah? (laughs) Do you believe him in that? Do you believe that when? you ask his forgiveness. You become a child of his. I think probably we, generally all of us do. I wonder then why is it that sometimes we think it's not possible for us to love our enemies, that it's not possible for us to become more Christ-like? Why is that? Why do we say, um, when it comes to, say, reaching out to somebody and telling them about God. Suddenly, that's not something I do. Suddenly, that's not who I am. You know, the whole, his spirit, <clears throat> I've got notes scribbled on the side, that's why I'm turning around. His spirit is there always wherever you are, His Spirit is there seeking to minister to your heart, to encourage you, to love you, and to shine through you. I think a lot of our problem is we have a a lack of awareness that the Holy Spirit is in our life and he's there and just waiting. Come on, guys. You know, you're just going to do this on your own again? I think we have a lack of awareness of the Spirit in our life. And so we continue to try and do things on our own. There's a warning in 1 Kings 14.8. It says, You have not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments and followed me with all his heart to do what was right in my eyes. David followed him with all his heart, God the Father is paying David a very big compliment. David ended up being the greatest king that Israel ever had. And God says that David followed him with all his heart, which again is denoting that he followed God with maximum intensity, maximum love and maximum loyalty. If you truly want to be closer to God, to know him in a more intimate personal way then spend regular quality time seeking after him his ways his knowledge and his direct involvement in your life and we can do that in so many ways you know just as you go through your day-to-day work wherever you are if you're aware that the spirit is there
1: wanting to commune with you wanting to encourage you God is right there. And if we do that, God will become your best friend,
0: your one and only true loving father, not somebody that's a little bit distant. He's right there. Now Jesus is referred to as a bridegroom and we as his bride. This analogy that God gives us He's showing us the kind of intense and passionate love that he wants all of us to have in our own personal relationship with him.
1: It's worth thinking about. He is the bridegroom. We are his bride. It's not to be distant. He wants that closeness with us. That's what he seeks. Do we seek that? And you know, if we have that,
0: If we seek to do everything we seek to do for him, then we'll be out of love and it will be out of his love. And his love is so powerful that things will begin to happen in not just your life but in other people's lives. As I said before, nothing will touch others more deeply than you having the love of God shining through your life. Realize how
1: powerful that love is. Just yesterday morning we um I'll go back a little bit um,
0: just after a new year, we spent some time with a close friend of ours who's hasn't been a Christian all that long, and we 're over at mount beauty and um uh, brought his mother with him as he often does and um, so we spent um some time with them, which was really, really good and Yesterday morning, Maggie got a call from David's mum and um, she she offered her condolences for um, the loss of mum and um, then she said, Look, I really, really enjoyed that time over at Mount Beauty. She said it was wonderful. And she said, You know, I don't get to spend time with such lovely people. I never get time to spend time with such lovely people. And we just went, um, it's pretty sad, really. You know, she's a non-Christian. And <clears throat> just her comment proves, proved to us that you know loving people is so important. And we, we have seen her as an extension of, since um, David become a Christian, that she too will become a Christian fairly soon. We believe that. But, you know, it's all about loving people. It really is. And if we love people with God's love, with the love of God, then things will begin to happen it cannot not happen. God's love is so powerful. So I encourage you to lean into the Lord, lean into his love and really desire to seek that closeness. I know it's Sometimes it's hard for us to want to do that, but if you start to desire that closeness, then it just becomes something that you really do desire. It doesn't become a chore. It
1: becomes something you want to do. Anyway, God bless you. Let's pray.
0: <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for your incredible love for us. Thank you so much as you care for us with a, a passion and an intensity that we cannot even understand. Enough to send your Son to die for us, to take our place. Help us to realize, Lord, that the fruits of the Spirit. Definitely can become part of our lives if we seek to walk closely with you, and have that intimate relationship with you, as it be just a natural thing, and that will flow from us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you for our family, our friends, all those that we have relationships with in the workplace and wherever. Lord, help us to learn to love them through you. Help us, Lord, to show your love to them so that they may see
1: you through us. Lord, we thank you again. We ask these things in your name. Amen.